0: My name is Jeffrey Sidoris. Welcome to episode four of Deep Natter. In this episode, Sean and I are talking about the idea of revisiting older work. Some people find value in looking back over what they've done, while others never do, and instead are always looking to what comes next. And while Sean and I have a few similarities around it, there are definitely some differences in how each of us relates to our previous bodies of work. Here we go. (music) The third episode is now up. Uh, that went up yesterday. So uh, last week, was it last week? Yeah. last. This is, yeah. this is four. Yeah. So last week's episode is now up in the feed. And as, I, as I've gone through and listened to these as I'm editing them, they really fit nicely together. They're, we're, we're building little bits on what came before into new discussions. And I'm really enjoying that. Mm. You know, everything kind of dovetails. The end of one fits nicely into the beginning of the other. So far. And I don't, I'm, I'm curious how long we can maintain that because it's certainly not something that's intentional. It just Mm. has kind of happened as a byproduct of us continuing these, these discussions that we've had for years now.
1: Well, I mean, today's going to be another one because I think, I think uh, you said something or we ended up talking a little bit about or mentioning last week um, that uh, I delete all the footage that I produce when I finished, which, the video, yeah, which just really like, struck B-roll. me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know it, it did, but then I, 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 this week's been interesting because I did a, a deep dive on, um, inside the Actors studios interviews. I think we both watched that one with Pedro Pascal and, um, uh, Willem Defoe recently. Yeah. Which was week. terrific.
0: If you haven't seen that and you're a fan of, of either of those gentlemen, it's yeah. a really good conversation.
1: Absolutely, and I, I, I you know, it reminded me how much I love those those interviews, and so I kind of went down a little rabbit hole. Um, and one of the things that stood out is how common it is that actors don't watch their own films afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I, I found a little list of like of like actors who this is true for: Johnny Depp, Julia Moore, Joaquin Phoenix, Reese Witherspoon, Jared Leto, Meryl Streep, Jesse Eisenberg, Javier Bardem. Angelina Jolie, Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, Tom Hanks. These are all actors who don't and many more besides. And it's sort of become a trope, hasn't it? That like it's, it's quite common that actors don't watch their own work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was watching a, um, it was like a documentary uh, about the making of Snatch. Do you know Guy Ritchie? Oh, yeah, sure, um, sure. Um, I mean, Snatch is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, and he went back and watched that film after 15 years, and hadn't watched it for 15 years. And we got to kind of mm. watch his reactions to watching his own work from 15 years ago, and what an experience that was for him. Again, there's there's so many people. I, I heard another um, another thing this week, controversial figure, but but Woody Allen was apparently will never watch his own work after it's gone out, and apparently um, apocryphally. He uh when, when he received award nominations for and, and won Oscar awards for Annie Hall. The, uh, he he almost resented having to go to the awards to accept Oscars because he'd already moved on that that movie he made a year before. And he'd already moved on to other things. So it just seems to be like, a re- especially in the film world, it seems to be such a common thing that once you're done with something, you're done, you move on. You don't need to look back at it. And like I was I really resonate with that. It's the, same, it's the same as like filming something. Once I filmed it and put it out, I'm kind of on to the next thing and I don't want to look back at it. I don't even want to read. I know lots of people on, on, on YouTube, for example, who post videos and then they sit and watch the, the like count versus the dislike count and they watch like the comments roll in and what people are saying and should I change or shouldn't I have done or, you know, I just don't do that. I, I, I go the next morning. Um, and I read the comments, I read, I read a bunch once through, and then I don't visit it again. I just move on and I don't, I don't need to see it again um, or, or really see the responses after. I know that might seem callous, but for me, like it's, for, it's just how I work. It's just, I, I've, I think I've always done that. Once I've done something, I'm on to the next thing and I don't want to have to go back and circle around to it. Has it been that way?
0: Even, even when you were kind of a novice, when you're, when you're more at the beginning stage of learning either video or stills or editing or music, well, music might be a different thing because you kind of you, you have to keep going back. But in terms of creating visual work, is, is there a correlation between going back and learning so you don't feel like you need to refer to what came before to move forward? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, because I think it's all in your head at that point, you've done it. Um, and I don't need to go look at it again to remember what I learned, you know. Mm-hmm. In fact, I almost feel like that slows you down a little bit, that it's best to just keep moving and trust that the stuff you need to remember, you will remember. Um but I mean, I mean, because you, your reaction to when I said that was a little surprised. Do you work differently it was a lot to that? Surprised. Is that like, well, I mean, is, it, is is that like a like is it because I'm interested how different people how do different people deal with when they finish with a particular project or piece of work? How do they what's their relation to it after it's done? What's their relationship with it? What's what's your relationship with a body of paintings you've done after you've done them? Uh,
0: finding a place to put them in the basement, so I can move <laughs> on to the next one.
1: So it's kind um, of similar.
0: It is, but I do I do go back and look at work because i I often can't remember how I did something. Mm. So, in for the last couple of years, I find that I've been taking uh, either either video or stills along the way, along the production process so that i can remember how i did things like what order i did certain steps in uh because if i'm just looking at the finished piece it, a lot of times things happen by accident or or uh, you know i don't i don't go in the same order of of uh events or or the same order of application or or anything from from piece to piece so i have to kind of document how i did a certain thing, right. Or a certain body of work. So I can go back to it. If I want to take that in a different direction, if I want to use some of the same techniques. Um, now after I do them a few times, I'm, I'm, you know, like you were just saying, I'm pretty solid on, on how they get done, but often I'm trying new things and trying to see where those new things take the work. And I do go back and I do look at, um, you know, w- what's come before, even, even the audio stuff, even podcasts. You know, I will occasionally go back and listen to an episode or two of On Taking Pictures. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I will go back and listen to um, you know, an, another conversation, especially if I've if I've spoken to somebody before and I'm doing another conversation with them. Mm. I want to make sure I don't cover the same ground. Yeah. So I will often go back and and so and just make n- little notes or actually sometimes I don't need to listen to the whole thing because the way I edit I set up markers with with almost like bullet points within Reaper, right? So I can I can scan a timeline and kind of see what I've talked about in in the most recent way of editing. That's that's been one of the advantages and why I've changed methods of editing so that I don't have to go through and listen in real time to these conversations because I am circling back around. I you know, one of the goals with process driven has always been to Not just have a one and done conversation with creators, but to kind of check in and and maybe it's not every body of work, but I do want to circle back around and see what they're doing now, as opposed to a few years ago. And I've done that with a couple people, but it's, it's easier to just now using this kind of new method of editing. I can scroll through this timeline and go, okay, I'm not going to cover that. Now let's, let's go into this other, this other direction or another area. Or I can see what I talked about and listen to that little bit and go, okay, I didn't, I didn't quite, you know, I think there was still some stuff on the table there so that we can explore a little further. Um, so I think in, in my case, sometimes going back al- allows me to move forward in a different way. Does that but, make sense?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it sounds like in that case, it's for a very specific, like, technical reason. You need to go back and you need to collect information yes. to keep the conversation going but are there instances where you go back and you just listen to something you've done for fun or because you're curious oh, sure. about something yeah. or
0: yeah because i really do, do enjoy you, these conversations with people i yeah. really do enjoy them
1: and what do you learn like what do you, what do you get at what do you what do you find when you do that
0: um, nothing that i could point to you know uh, as as a specific I just, you know, my friend Patrick said to me years ago, and and Patrick is uh, is a terrific photographer. He's a commercial photographer in LA, and uh, we work together at Universal. And Patrick is one of those people who will buy all of the books. He'll go to the workshops. He'll buy the DVDs. He'll, he, he will listen, read, or watch anything because, in his opinion, and he's said this many times, if he can get one thing out of it, it was worth it. If he can see something in a different way, if he can hear it in a different way. And my mom used to say, You're not ready to hear it until you're ready to hear it. And mm-hmm. I think there's value in even if it's something that you have, have seen before or uh, listened to before or a technique that you've tried before, there's value often in, in revisiting those things because you might glean a little bit of a different insight. You might, you might pick up on something that you didn't get the first time around. Mm -hmm. Um, you and I have talked about uh, one of our favorite directors, each of us, uh, David Fincher Mm -hmm. for a long time, I would watch fight club over and over and over again. And, and for the first, probably, I don't know, dozen times I watched it, I would pick up little things that I didn't notice the first time or little, little bits of dialogue that just didn't click the first time. So I, I do think there's value in going back to those things. Rarely is it for um an aesthetic reason it you know as you pointed out it's much of the time it's it's technical it's it's to give me uh background for yeah. moving forward whatever it is
1: yeah i'm trying to think if there's any uh, i'm trying to work out why it is like I, it's partly i think because i'm pretty unsentimental about the stuff i make so once I am done with it, I'm done with it. I don't, I don't watch it again to kind of revisit or re-experience it. So there's not Mm -hmm. that motivation. And I don't think I, I don't think I think there's anything to learn from it, which might be a mistake. You know, I think, I think I always assume that the last thing I did was me getting something out. And once it's out, there's new things to get out Mm -hmm. And, and, and they're separate from each other, which, which might be wrong.
0: Do do you feel like there is a, almost like a a creative utility to the work that you do? Like once you've explored either this theme or, or that aesthetic or methodology that you don't need to get any more out of it and it, and and you, you necessarily have to move in a different direction that there's no value in sort of revisiting those things. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And I don't know why. I mean, I just, I think like. I mean, I'm trying to think of things from way before. So, I mean, the 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 only example I can think is this this book I wrote years ago when I left the church, like a decade ago. Like, I don't, I almost don't want anything to do with it. I'm glad I wrote it when I did, and it was important for me to say the stuff that I did in that book at that time. But it's like it's not mine now, and and I don't really, I don't stand by a lot of what I said just because I. I, d- I don't think that way anymore, but Sean ten years ago did, and he needed to say that. So it's separate from me in a way, mm. um, and I, and I wouldn't I don't I wouldn't learn anything by reading that book again because I know what he thought, and I've transcended and moved beyond that guy. And 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 yeah, I, d- I think like I think I just leave things. I kind of sort of they get frozen in amber and i i sort of move on and let them be what they were but don't feel the need to circle back around i'm not sure it feels like there's more to it than that but i'm not sure what it is actually
0: would it be difficult that and you were a musician for for a while in another life <laughs> mm. <laughs> would it be difficult for you to have a career as a musician because part of part of being a musician is is revisiting those those songs, those experiences, those emotions from years past. Would that be difficult, having to do that sort of night after night out on the road?
1: Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's like there's an element of live performance where you are repeating the same work over and over again. So if I wrote a song back then, we we would do it two, three times a week at gigs, and we would right. do it week after week after week. So you would repeat that same piece of work. But... I mean, I'm one of those guys who, when I go to a show, a live show with a musician, I don't want you to play it like the album. This splits the room. Like a lot of people are like, you must play the song exactly the same way as I heard it on the CD or on the album. Don't change it. I want you to change it. I want you want there to
0: be some improvisation.
1: I want. I want it. I want you to. I want you to flip the style completely and improvise like crazy. I, I want to hear your interpretation of that song now because I've got the album, I can listen to it any time but right. I want to hear what new clever thing you can do with that same piece of material and I think musicians, I think and a lot of the better musicians I, I think need to keep work fresh and they need to keep revisiting it and changing it to keep themselves interested mm-hmm. in a way and I mean you, you, you've heard enough interviews with musicians who are like you know they've got that song or those that the, the whole crowd every single night is desperate for them to play and right. they just hate it. they can't stand right. it anymore, because they know there's the expectation they're so done with it it's 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 part of an old era, and they just you know they're on this treadmill repeating the same thing over and over again, right, because of this expectation like but I, I think I, that
0: I, expectation is valid right i mean there there, there was oh, yeah. we, you and I talked yeah. about uh Brian Johnson from a c d c uh, has a show and I forget what channel it's on, but it's, it's like on the road with Brian Johnson and he goes and talks to different musicians and he's, you know, he spoke to Nick Mason from Pink Floyd and, and, uh, Dolly Parton, who was lovely. And, uh, he met up with Joe Elliott from Def Leppard in, in Ireland where, where Joe has this beer that, that, you know, it's 11% alcohol. So he's, the, his tagline is, you know, this one goes to 11, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> uh, but, but they were talking about, this very thing of, of, of playing the hits. And Elliot had a really interesting take on it because he, he said, look, we, we go out on tour, we come out, we play a new song for the next 45 minutes. We're playing the hits. We do another new song for the next 45 minutes. We're playing the hits. We might do one more new song, but that's, you know, people, people are there to hear these songs that these memories, these emotions that represent periods in their life. And he said something that I, I just thought was so great. He said, if you, if you can't take the responsibility of writing a hit song, don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I love That's that great, because yeah. it's, it really does show how much sort of respect 40 years on that they still have for their audience. They know why they're there, you know, and, and he used himself as an example. He's like, look, if I go see The Stones or The Who, you know, I, I know what songs I want to hear. And if I don't hear them, I, I'm a little upset, you know, frankly.
1: I, t- I totally get that. And I, I agree. Maybe music's a bad example though. Cause I think you're right. Like if I went to hear my favorite musician, they didn't play my favorite song. I would be disappointed. Right. Um,
0: yeah. Because... What, what's the line from, uh, from the, the Favreau movie where he's a he, uh, chef where uh, he, Dustin Hoffman's talking to him about changing, changing the menu. Uh-huh. And he's like, you know, what, if you go see the Stones and they didn't play Satisfaction, you'd burn the place to the ground. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. it's that kind of thing. You know, you, 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 you want to hear those things. You know, if you go see Sting, he's going to close the show with Message in a Bottle because that's what everybody wants.
1: Right. Even if he doesn't want to. But that's even if he doesn't want to. He's serving his audience rather right. than like... He, but then maybe that's maybe that's the thing with performance, though. There's a difference mm-hmm. between creating something and performing it, because when you're performing it, you you do have to serve expectations of the people standing in front of you. But when you're creating something, it's it starts with at least being for you.
0: Maybe, but is there room for you know if we if we if we look at that that Eno quote that we've talked about a couple times, where where Brian Eno has said that. You know, I think I've only ever had one idea, and I've just been chasing it my whole <laughs> life. So, if if we if we take that at face value, every time we do something new, are we just iterating on what we've done before? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh,
1: like another example is um, um, stand-up comedy. So there's a, there's a there's a great. It's like an hour-long thing on, uh, I, I think it's on YouTube. It's called Talking Funny. And it's a, it's a conversation between Ricky Gervais, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, and Louis C.K. And they're talking about their different approaches to putting together an hour-long comedy special and mm-hmm. how they write for that. And Jerry is, is like, well, you know, his whole career... He he repeats the same material and and he basically every year he might take the weakest ten percent and he'll take it out and he'll add a new ten percent so it changes very gradually mm-hmm. um, over over a period of time but the meat of it stays there and he says that there's a the crowd have an expectation of a particular set of jokes so that's his that's his expectation he even had that one special didn't he I'm telling you for the right. last time because he was right. retiring these jokes that he'd been, he'd been carrying around for 10, 15 years to show is that people expected him to play like a band would play their favorite songs. But Louis, on the other hand, is on the other end of the spectrum. He's like, well, no, I, I, the way I think about it is I kill everything I did the previous year. Every year I have a brand new hour from scratch. And he says, if even if I can tell during that year where I'm, where I'm using that new material, if I'm leaning on a part of that material too much, or it's doing too well, and it's say is is there at the close of the show. He says, I'll take the weakest part of my show and I'll stick it at the end to force myself to make it better in the moment and to cauterize it, mm. is is the way he describes it. So two people in exactly the same discipline, artistic form, who, who have completely different approaches to their work. One one I think is 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 you know jerry is 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 more like play the hits i would lean more towards a louis who's like i just once i'm done with it i want to be done with it and move on to the next thing whatever that is and i think there's probably i don't know if it comes down to temperament or personality type but i reckon there are these different maybe it's the difference between slowly iterating something over time like you were saying the eno quote and kind of creating harder, faster, and then, and, then, and then drawing a line and moving on and not, not having things move one from the other in increments and just have, I don't know, Is that, does that sound?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's some, some value there. Um, you know, you, can, can we talk about you for a second? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've talked about wanting to do a full length documentary. Mm. And and how it both excites you and terrifies you at the same time. And I think two two episodes ago, we we used the Beatles as an example, the new Peter Jackson documentary that's coming out in mm. what is it, November, I think. Uh and, and we were we were talking about, you know, you being sort of faced with I don't remember how many hours of footage he had, 160, whatever it was. And how you you just there was no interest there of pouring over that much footage because it felt like it was, it was kind of holding you back. Um, or it felt like it was just too much to try and, to try and reconcile. However, there was a condition under which you th- you thought you could do that. Right. And it was just, mm-hmm. if, if you were sort of let, left alone and, and could watch all of this and then mine the story out of it, Uh, and and let the story kind of, kind of come through in, in the footage. And I'm wondering how that feels different than the way you do your shorter form things now, because they, they feel very organic as well. And, and if, if that's what you need to have happen on a longer form documentary, how is that moving forward for you? How does that feel different? Not just longer.
1: I might've said it last time. I think it's a courage thing for me. It's, it's, if I, if I produce like a little, um, 20 minute documentary on a photographer that goes up on my YouTube channel, there's a, there's a kind of a formula I know that I can follow that will put out something of decent quality that I can stand behind and put out in the world. And I, and I know how to do that. I will set up and film the interview first with that person. We'll, we'll interview, we'll chat for two hours. I'll collect a bunch of material Um, of questions I had in my head. And then I will mark down particular things. We'll go out and we'll shoot B-roll to lay over the top of that interview. But I'm also remembering particular things you said and trying to find B-roll that complements that stuff. So I know how to do that. Top and tail that with an intro and I'm done. But if I was going to do, and I I really do want to do this, if I'm going to do a long form documentary at some stage, there's no formula and there can't be. It's got to be I, I don't have the end in mind and I don't even know how I'm going to get there. Mm. I just have to go out and collect a lot of stuff and probably most of it I will never use. Um, I think I've got a fear around that, about mm-hmm. ar- around investing so much time and so much energy into something, coming back with so much. Most of it doesn't get used and maybe none of it gets used because I didn't know what I was doing and I only realized a long way down the road. I think that's there's a, there's a real fear around that.
0: Right. There's right, less right.
1: control. There's less predictability. I don't know what I'm doing. And right. of course, that's where you get your best stuff done when you don't know what you're doing. But you have to get over that hurdle of your fear of not knowing and just trying it anyway
0: how does that yeah. square with with the perfectionism and the chasing of the perfect that we talked about last time and and the fact that you 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 do like to exercise a great deal of control over how and what you're doing and it sounds like in in the case of a long form project you have to surrender more than you might be comfortable with right now or or more than you have done in the past is, is
1: that fair that's a good way to put it yeah yeah, I mean, that, that, that's exactly it, isn't it? It, it, it is that. It's that, it's that um, letting go, uh, trying something. I mean, right now, is a good example. I, I, you know, I've got this photography project that I've needed to get started. Today was the first time this morning I actually sat there. I picked up the phone to start calling people to ask them if I can come and shoot their portrait. Mm. I've, had, I've had the phone numbers sitting in my notebook for two weeks. What, why haven't I done it until now? Right. And it was literally going to I've I've been going to a, a therapist locally for the last uh couple of months just to sort of get through this this patch which has been fairly rough and this whole project came up. Fairly and, rough. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> a little bumpy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, this project came up and she's like, why do you need to do it now? You're going through a lot right now. Why don't you just not do it? And I said to her, because I know it's going to be good. And I know, I know, even if it's difficult, I'm going to feel good about trying it. And I know I'm going to learn a lot and feel useful if I actually do it as well, which I Mm -hmm. really need right now. So she's like, "Well, what's stopping you picking up the phone?" I'm like, fear, like, fear it's not going to work. Fear I'm wasting my time. Fear I'm going to make an idiot of myself." And she's like, "Well, well, okay, then don't do it." I'm like, "No, but I want to do it." She's like, "Well, do it then." And <laughs> I'm like, backwards and forwards Like, and then she like, "You are not I'm... being helpful right now." <laughs> yeah, it's like, Who... "What? Just leave me alone." She's like, "You came to me." I'm like, "Yeah, fair enough. I see your point." Right, yeah, fair point. Um, fair point. And uh, she's like, "Well." so pick up the phone tomorrow morning. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. I I will do that. And I'm one of those people, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So I kind of trapped myself into doing it. And then, yeah, picked up the phone today. And I, I, you know, there were two no answers. And I left a message on one and I spoke to somebody else who was going to talk to somebody else and nothing got organized today, but at least felt like a step into, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I I have no idea how long this is going to take, what it involves, where it's going to go, but at least I took that first little step. Right. Um, yeah. And
0: and where does where does the let's call it temporary uncertainty, right? Because you're you're now in that that holding patter of, pattern of pattern of waiting for answers. But how does that temporary uncertainty land with moving forward? Do you need to wait until you hear from the people that you've contacted now before you're gonna allow yourself to move forward? Or now that the ball is rolling, do you just run with it and let the cards fall where they may?
1: Yeah, I'll just keep calling people now, different people. But mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's lots of people I could contact. And I just need to see who says yes and what, who picks up, really. I mean, this is the other thing I said to her yesterday. I said, it's weird because I'm not insecure about the photography. Like, I know how to do that part. That's the easy part. The, it's, it's more like the interpersonal part that's the fear. Like, will the I the interpersonal part is
0: stuff? what you spent years doing in South Africa. So how is that a fear?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's got different aspects to it here. Like, so, so for example, I mean, I mean, this is probably a slightly off channel. I'll do it really, really quickly. So in this country, like there's, there's a huge suspicion of people who live up North here of people mm. who come from London from the South. And, and even though I'm not, a am not a Londoner, I lived there for almost 10 years. I mean, but I've spent far more time in my life in Africa. Um, you know, that's how I'm perceived up here. And I need to be really careful about how I now start approaching people for 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 portraits. I don't just want to mm-hmm. barrel into these spaces with people who are quite suspicious of people with cameras and lights walk into their space and just act like I am owed this or this this is something I should be doing. And mm-hmm. I'm afraid of creating a bad name for myself or not doing it sensitively enough or putting my foot in my mouth. So all that that's, that's where the big fear comes from is feeling like properly out of my depth and like I might make a fool of myself. I won't take bad photographs. I know that. Like the photography is almost, that's, that's the part I had the most control over. It's all the other stuff around it that I have to do as well to get the project done that, that is, is the important stuff right now. You know? But just to play
0: devil's advocate for a minute, has there ever been a situation where where any of those things that that you are afraid might happen have happened ha, has there Has there ever been a time where where you weren't empathetic or compassionate or or interested in the other person sat in front of you? Have you my suspicion my is no <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> if you guys are talking behind the scenes, that's disturbing. <laughs> <Not> disturbing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I don't
0: know. I, no. I mean, no, I mean knowing, just, no. knowing you over the last several years, honestly, you, you, are, you are one of the most empathetic and, and present people I've ever met. So I, I hear your fears. I do. I hear, I hear that, they are, that they are real for you. But I, I honestly don't see how they could play out, based on how I've seen you be in the world with other people.
1: Well, that's very kind. I mean, I, yeah. But there's, there's, like I said, there's only so much you can control, and and you could do something that you don't intend, even mm-hmm. if you are trying to be empathetic. And I think that's mm-hmm. my fear. Um, it's not just the fear of failure; it's also a fear of criticism. Sure. And I don't, I don't care about being trolled online about my photography I'm fairly confident with that I kind of know what I'm doing but there's lots to do with people in this part of the world I've moved to I don't understand yet and that's that causes some fears I think I mean, if you, do you, do you have the same, like, I mean, I know you're, you're sort of, you've got of a couple course. of long-term,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so you've got, you've got long-term projects. You
0: I'm want trying to, to solve. solve these problems for myself through you. So How's that's, that's, game? that's not well, not well. Okay,
1: okay. So what's the fear for you? What's the, what's the, um,
0: I, I think it's the same thing. I think it's or, or some of the same things. I think it's, it's a, uh, a, a, a fear that I will be seen as, an outsider and that this mm. project is somehow, um, uh, an exploitation or, mm-hmm. or, uh, not making fun of, but, but, uh, you know, coming at it as like, wow, I'm really glad I didn't take that route in my life. And that mm. couldn't be further from the truth. It's, it's taken me this long to To kind of figure out how much it has been a part of my life behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. and you know, I so I think there are some some similar fears. Now, I I have more uh, technical concerns because I'm not a portrait photographer. I'm I'm a I'm a hobbyist. I'm an enthusiast at best. I've been doing it for a long time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm any good at it. And I don't want to. in in the same way that you're thinking about, about what you're doing. I, I don't, I don't want people to, uh, put aside their suspicions, put aside maybe their fears about being in front of a camera and then see the results and go, Ooh, Mm -hmm. really, that's, that's where we're going to go. You know, I, I, I don't, I have in my mind's eye how I want them to look and, and, you know, how, how I want them to feel. That 's probably a better way to say it, not necessarily how I want them to look, but how I want them to feel and And uh, there's a terrific photographer whose work I really love named Richard Bevan oh, yeah uh, and if you, if you've seen his portraits from from Ghent uh, in New York, yeah. these beautiful environmental portraits that are that are it, as a viewer, feel very sensitive to the people that he's photographing, yeah. they feel very respectful to the people that he's photographing and you know on on my sort of mood board that i've been making for this this in the background you know his his work features very prominently because i yeah. i like the way it feels i like mm-hmm. how honest and and simple and um and i know these words get batted around a lot how authentic it feels and how how true to what he was trying to communicate with the photographs i think yeah. you know in in talking to him for a bit i think there there was very little friction between what he wanted to do and what he ended up with and that's my mm-hmm. hope for this project, is that I can, I can minimize the gap between those two things. Mm-hmm.
1: But there's I'm terrified
0: great... that I can't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you are too. That makes me feel better. Oh, I yeah. Mean, there's, a, there's a great, for those who are listening, like, there's a great interview with Richard Bevan on Process Driven on Jeffrey's podcast.
0: He's, isn't he lovely? He's so, yeah, he's, he's amazing. a terrific guy. Uh,
1: he terrific. shoots on a Pentax 6.7?
0: Pentex 6-7, yeah.
1: And he, and he goes around his uh, kind of upstate New York little town and basically just tries to photograph everyone in the town. And the photographs are so, uh, they're just so open, aren't they? And honest, the people mm-hmm. in them. It's, it's a really lovely set of images, yeah.
0: And there's a connection between them. It's not a transaction, you know, no. and, and you and I have spoken about this at length. There, there is something that happens when, you sit and you do this when you sit with someone for a bit and just have a conversation and try to get to know them and 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 connect with someone before the camera ever comes out of the bag Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's it's those moments that i'm hoping to record on audio and then the result of that i'm hoping to capture on film that that's i'm hoping that these two things work together and and you know, I've thought about maybe doing some tests with with friends or family just to see if I can get it right. But the more I think about it, the more I think I want to do it without a net and just dive in and see where it goes because I don't I don't feel like that's being I don't feel like that's being authentic if I if I sort of rehearse it beforehand because I would like to document all of it, warts and all. I'd like to document the the parts that that maybe I wasn't ready for or the parts that that Uh, As long as my intention is there, as long as the purpose is there, Mm. it's, I think it's okay if there are some hiccups along the way. I don't know. I mean, I'm still trying to work out that part of it and, and never having done a project like this. I mean, you, you have, you have done projects, you have done, you have got, you have traveled, you have spoken with people. I mean, I, I, this is, this is all new.
1: Well, I think we're in the same boat, actually, because, I mean, you you also talk to a lot of people on on your podcast and everything, so you've got some experience. It's almost like you've also got a lot of the technical know-how, but I think you or I are in the same boat in that neither of us have ever done something that's going to take us a few years and just Mm. one thing and put our heads down. And and I, I said to my therapist yesterday, I said, in a lot of ways, even though I've been a professional photographer for 15 years, I still feel like a baby photographer in that I've never... I've never committed to trying to say something deliberately with my camera. I've used it to kind of, you know, make a living and and shoot some products get paid for that kind of thing and get some consistency there and try to take portraits and then try to do street stuff. But it's all kind of a mix and match. I've never gone. I'm going to try and talk about one topic and it's going to take me a couple of years to say it. Well, I think, and I don't know how to do it. I've never done that. And I, Mm -hmm. all, all the photographers I respect the most, have done that at some point in their lives. And I know I need to do it to grow up. And it's just a case of doing it now, even if it doesn't work. Do you feel like
0: you have to almost break the mold in terms of looking at the work that you have that you do along the way and keep referring back to it to make sure you're kind of on target? Or, or are you able to, once you start, to really, almost like the documentary, to just surrender and see where it goes, and look at a body of work after it's done. Or how are you going to reconcile that within within the process now? Because you don't go back and look at things. But I, I would imagine that that in uncharted waters like this, you're going to have to do some sort of uh, uh, self-referential, uh, you know, like a like a post mortem almost to see if you're staying on track.
1: Yeah I th- I think the way that I'll think about it is is there will be kind of the in process phase and then when I've got it done phase so and during in like while it's in process for those 2 years I'll go out and I'll take images and I will throw those images in in a folder there'll just be a huge folder full of raw files And I will take out those images and I'll try edits on them and then try create sets with them and and the rest of it. But none of those will be final at all. Those will all be experiments. And I think it will only be after I feel like I've got plenty now to create this project that I will then dive into that raw folder and I will will start pulling it out and piecing it together and I'll do it quite fast in terms of putting Mm. it together. I think that's how I work. Um, I won't edit some stuff go out and shoot some more stuff, process that stuff, and then come back two years later to the first stuff I process because it will be different to the stuff I processed most recently because it changes over time. So I right. think it's gonna, there's going to be a collection phase and then there's going to be a compilation phase. And the compilation phase for me will be quite quick.
0: And what does the release phase look like? Are you releasing? Are you planning on releasing along the way? Or do you yeah. have to hit some sort of... Uh milestone, if you will, before you're ready to release?
1: I think I'd only release, I'd only release pieces of a project if, if I was confident that it was a thing and that it was going to work. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've always got this fear that I'm saying, hey, look at this project I'm doing and then it never comes out. I don't want to be that guy. Right. So I, I, I would much rather, when I know I've got plenty, then I might start giving out hints of this is what I'm working on, here's some images. Um, and then later on, um, drop the whole thing as as one piece and then move on. I think that's what I'd do, but I'd be cautious about sharing it. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm still not sure uh, because I don't know. I I'm so uncertain. <laughs> I'm yeah. so uncertain of the photographic component yeah. Yeah. that I almost I almost dare not even mention it publicly because if 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 it goes sideways or it doesn't happen the way I'd like it to, I know that I can get the audio. I know that that is, that's, that's my, that's my sweet spot, if you will. So I know that I can get that. Yeah. Um, And I'm willing to commit to that for this project, but I'm, I'm really unsure about the photography portion of it.
1: Well, that's kind of how I've been. I mean, I've been talking about the photography side of this project I'm going to be working on now. There's also a documentary film I'd like to make with it as well, but I don't talk about it as much because I'm not sure about it. Mm. I'm sure I can get the photographs. Not sure I can make the film, so i I'm just going in focusing on the one and seeing if the other comes out as well, but trying to collect for everything along the way right, but I, very I know I'm very similar yeah 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 which which I think is fair, I think that's fair, you know mm-hmm. and, then, and then it's exactly the same with you i'm sure you're going to you're going to record conversations and you're going to take portraits and you're going to put all those raw files into a folder somewhere and then you're going to go in at some stage and look at what you've got do they feel right. like each other do they fit together can you process these in 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 a way that's going to give you the feel that you want and bring it all together i think it's going to be similar you know
0: yeah and it's exciting not knowing you know it's exciting not knowing whether these are going to come out as you know this is a conversation with you know joe x from altoona pennsylvania or whatever i don't know Mm -hmm. or is it going to be uh more of a more of a radio lab this american life thing where i'm weaving multiple people into one theme so so each show per se or each each conversation rather than focusing on a single person is a is a single theme within this recurring cast of characters that have become part of this project. I'm not sure how that's going to work out yet. And I think that might be the most exciting part of it is not knowing how that's going to come together yet and spending that time in what we've called the the information gathering phase and, and letting that inform where it goes, letting letting some of those conversations and some of the questions maybe that come back to me inform where it goes and, and not having an answer for them right then and there and having to let that stuff sit and kind of, Bubble to the surface over time. That's exciting to me. Mm. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything in your favorite podcast app to get Deep Natter along with Process Driven and everything else I release all in one feed. If you'd like to support the show and help others find it, you can leave a review or a rating wherever you listen and share it on social media. And remember, you can listen live and be part of the conversations on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck, that's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K, on his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sadoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S or on my website at Jeffrey As always, thanks very much for listening. We appreciate your time and we hope you'll come back for the next one.